1: What is the First Amendment? What forms of speech are and are not protected by the First Amendment? And why is it so important in the United States? We'll answer all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. The First Amendment, we have talked a lot about it recently in the context of social media, social media platforms at large regulating user comments and interactions. So it's only natural to ask questions about what our constitutional rights are under the First Amendment, something that protects our freedom of speech, our religious liberty, things that are of the utmost importance living in the greatest country on Earth. So what is protected? under the First Amendment? How has social media framed our view of free speech? And how are nonverbal symbols constitutionally protected? Well, we have someone here to answer all of my questions, and she is the Deputy Director of Policy at State Voices, Fellow for the First Amendment at Freedom Forum, Letta Nott. Letta, thanks for coming on to exercise your freedom of speech and allowing me to do the same. We're just going to start From the beginning, if that's okay, James Madison was the chief author of the Bill of Rights. Therefore, the First Amendment, he was a champion of religious liberty, freedom of speech and freedom in general. So what is the First Amendment?
0: Well, the First Amendment protects freedom of religion, speech, press, petition and assembly, basically all forms of free expression. And what it does is it prevents the government from censoring our expression or punishing us for what we express.
1: So then what isn't protected? Because if you just have everyone kind of go out and run rampant and say whatever they want, obviously there's hate speech there. There are things that we can't do. So can you just take me through some of those? Of course. So First Amendment, it's not unlimited. It does have its exceptions, as
0: you said. Um, For example, making true threats on someone else's life. That's not protected by the First Amendment. Neither is engaging in blackmail, um, lying on the witness stand, perjury or speech that incites other people to commit crimes, obscenity is not protected by the First Amendment. Um, I will say hate speech is protected by the First Amendment, but uh, the categories that I just mentioned are not. You can still be punished for those things, even if you were freely expressing yourself. Um, also very important, and a lot of people miss this, is that the First Amendment only prevents government censorship. Mm-hmm. So it. It won't prevent um, private employers or private organizations or private individuals from, say, firing me be- uh, because of something that I say at work. It won't prevent my book club from kicking me out because I keep trying to change the subject from books to TV shows that I like. <laughs> you know I'm guilty of that a lot. So but uh, that's not my First Amendment. Right. Um, that's my I'm still expressing myself, but it's not necessarily protected by the Constitution.
1: I see. Yeah, because this is a conversation we have all the time with social media, right? Um and there is this whole discussion of, you know, Twitter and and um, you know, Instagram, Facebook kind of uh, taking people off the platform because of things that they've said. So, how does that work?
0: Well, it's interesting because when Twitter or Facebook or Google or any of the social media platforms um censor speech, when they suspend accounts, when they take down posts, it's not a First Amendment issue. Um, and that's because they are private companies. Uh, and actually, they have the right to set their own standards about what kind to, types of content that they will allow. In fact, that's their own First Amendment right um, to have their own policies and ban users as they say fit. That said, it's not a First Amendment issue. And it's not in the legal scope of the First Amendment. But I'd say it's still an important thing for us to talk about and think about because It's First Amendment ish, not protected by by the First Amendment, but it does affect the kind of conversations that we have in public, the kind of information that people people receive around the world around them. So um, it's important to the public discourse. It's important to public knowledge, but not necessarily a First Amendment issue.
1: So why isn't it a First Amendment issue? Is it because these are private companies?
0: Exactly. Yes, because they are private companies Um, And since they're private companies, uh, when they say we're only going to allow this type of speech and we are going to ban users who use that type of speech, that is these private companies exercising their own First Amendment right to set their own policies about what kind of speech they'll allow.
1: I see. I see. So then when it comes, you said that um, hate speech is protected under the First Amendment. It is indeed. Yes. So how does uh, how can you just break that down a little bit more for me? And then how do people get in trouble for hate speech then?
0: Well, hate speech is protected by the First Amendment, partly because no one can agree on what hate speech is. Mm. There's no universal definition of hate speech. A lot of speech depends on context, honestly. Um, And that's why courts have always been hesitant to, to criminalize hate speech, just because what is offensive to one person may not be offensive to another person. Now social media platforms, a lot of them um, do ban hate speech. They have their own definition of what hate speech is and um, they do suspend accounts uh, based on on the use of hate speech um, even then, it's hard. Hate speech is very, the reason why the first Amendment protects it is because it's hard to differentiate hate speech from legitimate political expression. Um, for example, Facebook was taking down hate speech posts and suspending users who, who made hate speech posts, but it turned out that a lot of the users they were suspending were actually just like giving examples of hate speech that had been directed at them. Mm. Um you know, it's, it's not the easiest thing for, for an algorithm to pick up on. Um, it's not the easiest thing for a human being to decide on. So um, while the these social media platforms do have policies against hate speech and they censor hate speech, it's hard for them to get it right. Um, and the First Amendment protects it in part because we certainly would not want criminal penalties or something like that on, on something that can be so subjective and in the eye of the beholder.
1: So then, okay, that that makes sense, because then you think about something that can be um, you can be punished for under the law is a hate crime. And that's obviously different than hate speech. So if hate speech then turns into a hate crime, that's when you can have penalties against you.
0: Exactly. Like the idea is that there is there's speech and then there's conduct. Mm. There's uh, and as soon as your speech turns into conduct, for instance, like. um, you know, I mentioned that the First Amendment does not protect true threats against someone's life, um, but there's a question of what is a true threat exactly? Like, I feel like people use the, tr- the phrase, like I'm going to kill you like a million times a day, but how do you know that they mean it? Um, and that is entirely context. The Supreme Court uh, once issued an opinion that essentially dealt with two cross burning cases. And what's interesting is that one of the incidents of cross burning was somebody burning a cross in his backyard. And the other was someone burning a cross essentially on an African-American family's lawn. And I think it was Justice O'Connor who wrote that there's a there's a difference between those two things. They might seem like the same type of expression, but if you look at the context, um, one could be seen as like this is a this is a symbolic gesture, not a great one, but it is a, a terrible symbolic gesture that somebody made on their property. The other seems to be intended to put some, put a family in fear for its life. Mm.
1: Wow. Yeah. Cause I think about people burning American flags and nothing makes me more upset and burning a cross. Nothing makes me more upset. And that is a way to communicate without using words. So that, that does get a little hairy, right? With the law.
0: Oh yeah. Well, the first amendment protects expression, And speech, but speech doesn't necessarily mean everything that comes out of your mouth. It can also mean symbolic gestures, like you said, burning a flag, um, flashing a peace sign, um, kneeling during the national anthem. There's uh, there's a lot of ways to express yourself that don't actually involve spoken words.
1: Mm. And what does the right to petition the government mean? Are there any restrictions?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, The right to petition is. The right to ask the government to to redress any wrongs that it's committed. Um, if you're upset with like a government policy, to ask it uh, to ask the government to change that policy. Um, it's what protects our um, people's rights to lobby. Um, so there are restrictions on that. Like for instance, with lobbying, like uh, if you uh, if you're an organization that spends a certain amount of time on lobbying, you have to disclose certain things. Um, so there are some restrictions on it. But ultimately, it's this core right to ask the government for what you want.
1: Mm. All right, we've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this.
0: This episode is brought to you by Bumble.
1: And I do have a question about religion because so we were talking about just even people getting upset and using hateful speech and everything. I was walking into Fox the other day, and and this woman was just very angry for no reason, I believe. And uh, she she started yelling, you know, F you and you're anti-democracy and all of this to me. And then I just kept walking. I said, oh, you know what? God bless. Have a great day. Um, And she was like, you know, God doesn't exist, you dumb expletive. And so I just kept walking and then it made me think about what happens in a classroom when you're in school. And for instance, I went to an all girls Catholic high school and we would pray before every single class. We would stand and pray. But what if there was someone in there that's an atheist and then their parents want to sue the school because you're talking about religion, but they don't want religion to be communicated. But then people like me want to express my religion
0: Well, if you're in a Catholic school, then... uh, Yeah, I guess that was a bad example.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Let's say I was not in a Catholic school and you were still praying before class.
0: The freedom of religion, um, it prevents the government from discriminating and like holding one religion above another. Mm-hmm. And it also prevents the government from like establishing its own religion and espousing its own religion. Um, kind of a reaction to the whole Church of England thing uh, after the American Revolution. They they wanted a system where the government could not espouse religious views like that. Um, so public schools are considered government entities. So the First Amendment applies to them. They're not supposed to hold one religion above the other. They're not supposed to espouse religion. Um, So in the case of people uh, like a teacher leading prayers in class, that would be seen as like a public official essentially um, sort of uh, endorsing a specific religion and asking asking the students to go along with it so that would be prohibited by the First Amendment. But if you had students who said, hey, let's set up like a a club after school so we can pray um, that if like the administration was like, well, you can't do that, then that's discriminating against their religious expression. So that would be prohibited by the First Amendment as well.
1: What if what if you're a teacher in a public school and you want to hang a cross at the front of your classroom? Can you do that?
0: No, that would be prohibited by the First Amendment because it is. Well, because then there's the always a like, gray area here, right? I, I think I say, here's what I think. This is um, do you not consider this a legal opinion? This, this is just a letha opinion right now. But <laughs> I think if you were to hang across at the front of your classroom and you're a public school teacher, you are probably running afoul of the first amendment because it does seem like as a teacher, you are endorsing Christianity in the classroom. If on the other hand, you were wearing a cross I would say that that is your personal religious belief and Mm. it doesn't come across as this classroom is a Christian classroom. It's more like, Hey, I'm a practicing
1: Christian teacher. Does that make sense? Definitely. Because then my mind goes, okay, well, if the teacher wants to be protected his or herself under the first amendment and they want to hang across, then that's their freedom to be able to express their own religion. But you're saying since it's in a, in a, uh, a place, that kind of makes it a little bit more it's in a place that- everything about the first amendment is about
0: context you know yeah. like the same symbol can mean different things depending on where you put it if it's the kind of thing where if you walk into a classroom as a student and there is a, a cross at the front of it you know you get the impression like oh this is a christian classroom um which again is, is totally fine at the catholic school that you attended but at a public school that that seems awfully like a government entity is saying this is the religion of the classroom right but if you are a teacher and you're wearing a cross, that's more, I, I don't think as a student, uh, again, it's all context. I don't think a student would necessarily look at that and think like, oh, this is a Christian classroom. I think that it would just, they would look at it and think this is a teacher's personal beliefs. Um, again, uh, that's just how I would see it. But uh, there's probably, if you had a court case, a million different contextual factors, you would right. wear
1: Well, speaking of context, have you been following the Amber Heard-Johnny Depp case? Yeah, it's that's been interesting, right? Because that's a that's a First Amendment thing too, because it's def- defamation, right? That's right. So, what are your thoughts on that?
0: So, the way that defamation law works, there are different standards um, for a private person to uh, to prove that they have suffered defamation, and for a public figure to prove that they've suffered defamation. Um, if you're a private person. And that's just because, like, if you're a private person, you don't have a lot of ways to defend yourself if you're defamed. But if you're a public figure, you usually have a platform where you can fight back against any any lies that you think that somebody is spreading about you. Um, So that's the standard that basically Johnny Depp has to establish in order to win this. Um, I think this case, though, hinges around. uh, So uh, one defense against a, a defamation suit is that what you said was true truth is always a a defense because defamation is a false statement made about someone that damages their reputation. Um, So if it's not a false statement, then it's not defamation. So I I think that a lot of the trial, as if I'm correct, is hinging around whether Amber Heard's
1: accusations Mm. are true or not. What do you think, just personally?
0: I... As a lawyer, yeah. I I can't say. I mean, I've been following the trial. I haven't been following it closely enough to, oh, to actually. Oh,
1: man. Yeah, I thought I'd sorry. get it out of you. Bummer. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's very tough. It's very tough. Um, You know, I, there's also this whole thing. When you're younger, you're always taught never shout fire in a crowded place. Never say gun or bomb or anything in an airport so does the first amendment protect people in that case
0: well first of all you should definitely shout fire in a crowded theater if there is a fire right right that is an Um, important (laughs) distinction
1: this is why you are the lawyer and i am not (laughs) (laughs)
0: It's, it's always context right yeah um so yeah the idea is that um you know when you Limit speech when you make laws that that limit speech it's because like well if you are shouting fire in a crowded theater just for kicks um, and waiting for everybody to stampede out and get hurt like that's not protected speech um, that that was speech that was was meant to to cause this harm mm-hmm. um, so that's that's where that that reasoning comes from um, it's personally I have never really liked the fire in a crowded theater thing because it comes from a Supreme court case um, where, and everybody somehow thinks that the case is about somebody shouting fire in a crowded theater, but it it wasn't, it was about, it was during world war one. And um, this guy was passing out pamphlets, um, saying that like this war is immoral. Um, If you are drafted, don't go. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was arrested for that. And he said that this was a violation of his first amendment rights and you know, the court at the time, Oliver Wendell Holmes, I believe, wrote the opinion. And he was like, well, I mean, First Amendment rights aren't unlimited. You can't just shout fire in a crowded theater. And to me, like the idea that you would compare shouting fire in a crowded theater to a guy like handing out pamphlets like that, it just, that's not, I I don't think that is an accurate comparison. And then later, like Justice Holmes' opinions like seem to seem to back away from that stance, you know, and seemed to, and we're much more protective of political speech and, you know, um, political activism. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that fire to crowd at theater. I feel like as a phrase, I always just immediately think of that case, which I think is just uh, that that's not a good example. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But to your point, yeah, um, there there are limits to what the First Amendment protects. Yeah.
1: I mean, to, to just even discuss the First Amendment, I, it, there, there are so many intricacies of this because, you know, you can go one way or another way with it. And uh, like you said, context is so important. Um, and even like. So what about fighting words, you know, that are likely to provoke violence and and you're saying something so you like hate speech, for instance, that those could be fighting words. Right. You you incite somebody to act violently. uh, You threaten their life. They feel like they need to protect themselves. I mean, is does the First Amendment protect you in that that sense?
0: Oh, great question. Um, Fighting words is interesting because. It comes from a Supreme Court case in 1942 um, that basically said if you are are saying something to an individual, directed at that individual, face-to-face confrontation, and you really are just saying it because you want to provoke a violent reaction, then those are fighting words and they are not protected by the First Amendment. Mm. Um, So, okay, all right. And you're right. If you use hate speech in that specific context, like you're you're shouting a, a slur at someone in order to provoke this confrontation, then sure, uh, you might say that's not protected by the First Amendment. But I will add that this is kind of a narrow exception, the fighting words exception. And also, the Supreme Court hasn't mentioned it in like since 1942. So... Uh. I'm not saying it. they've never say like overturned it, but it just has not really been mentioned in a yeah. very long
1: time. Yeah. So if, if a Mets fan went up to a Yankees fan and said, go Mets, they're so much better than the Yankees, that that could be fighting words and someone could just, they, someone could get punched, but that's not protected under the first amendment. I mean, I kind I'm, I'm, I would say that. Depends on how avid of a sports fan you are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I. You know what? I suppose you could consider those fighting words and like, you know, when you're defending yourself later saying like, look, this is, that was, it was my uh, first amendment right to say that. Um, I think you can bring up the fact that this, this fighting words exception, just like it, it, doesn't really come up a lot in court. I wouldn't mm-hmm. really like call it the 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 best leg to stand on, but
1: yeah, you know, you could make that argument. <laughs> I love it. Um. So then, let's. Have, what do you think is the most important thing that people should know about the First Amendment? Obviously, we talked about a lot today, but um, just kind of if you wanted to boil it down to the basics and why we should care. Ooh. Um. Okay.
0: So I think that what's important to remember is that. First Amendment rights are indivisible. We like your rights are my rights. So even if we disagree on everything and even if I hate you and you hate me, I don't want your rights to be taken away from you because inevitably they will eventually be taken away from me. It's about because it's ultimately not pitting one group's speech against another. It's pitting all of us against the government, really. How much power do you want to give the government to censor your speech? Mm.
1: Interesting. Well, luckily, I don't hate you. Hopefully you don't hate me. Um, (laughs) I I appreciate you coming on to have this discussion because, like I said, it's been so, um, you know, we've talked about it a lot recently just with everything that's been going on. So I appreciate your insight and you breaking it down for me. And hopefully we'll have you on again soon. Of
0: course. Thank you. This was a great discussion.
1: All right, if you missed anything from class, these are my office hours, and here are some top takeaways about the First Amendment. Number one. So we know what the First Amendment protects, but what isn't protected under the First Amendment are things like making true threats on someone else's life, blackmail, perjury. Surprisingly, hate speech is protected under the First Amendment because according to Lutte, that's more of a subjective argument. Number two. Leta says that when social media platforms disable users' accounts, it's not in the legal scope of the First Amendment because they're private companies, but it does affect the conversations we have in public. And number three, she stressed the importance of context when talking about the First Amendment. You have to ask what's the situation, what's the action that's being questioned, and what's the motive behind what's being said? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast on the First Amendment. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed.